the quantum mechanics. We are the quantum mechanics, the podcast that tinkers under the hood of the paranormal and takes a very agnostic view on what on earth is going on with the weird stuff that people keep talking about out there. We're coming to you today from uh, our usual location, beautiful pub uh, in the heart of Tame in Oxfordshire, uh, beautifully haunted pub apparently. So, um, Ben. You want to talk to me about werewolves, about and werewolves. Weird stuff, right? Yeah, I do. I do. I have been not obsessed, but I've been interested in werewolves for years, largely since probably American Werewolf in London, which I love as a film. But once you start looking into it, there is more to it than that. People are actually seeing werewolves, dogmen, cryptids that could be werewolves. And this isn't just in the United States. This is just up the road from us uh, in Cannock Chase. For people who don't know the UK, uh, in the middle of the UK, in the Midlands, uh, there is Birmingham. And just above Birmingham is a huge wooded area. It's been in the press because uh, it's the home of black-eyed kids. They've been reported there. There have been all kinds of uh, sightings. They, they're of, not the ones who did Where Is The Love, right? No, no, completely different band, uh, cover band, actually. <laughs> um, uh, uh, there has been reports of fairies, but the most abiding reports are those of werewolves, particularly in a part known as the German Cemetery, and I reckon this is something we need to look into. Okay, so so basically you're saying to me, Ben, I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little sceptical here, you're telling me the Midlands is a hotbed for werewolf activity. The Midlands is a hotbed of werewolf activity, yes. And I think I can back that up, and I think there are other people that can back that up as well. So... Um, I just, slightly thinking of um, uh, Vic and Bob's Big Night Out. It is, it is a hell of a claim, and I admit that I can't put my finger on anybody that's been eaten by a werewolf. <laughs> that is true. But I can tell you about the people who have seen something. And if we're going to be true to our goal of uh, taking everything at face value and kind of analysing it, I don't think we can dismiss Okay. these people so okay t- i've got i've got my open mind head on i've definitely got my open mind head on okay although it's a bit more of a stretch for me but i'm gonna try so i thought one way to look into these sightings is to do a foyer a freedom of information report okay and the police constabulary that looks after the area that can chases in is the staffordshire constabulary so I submitted a freedom of information request to them about how many werewolf sightings uh, they had and, right. uh, and cryptid sightings. And I got back nothing. Yeah. And so I started looking around and I found that an adjoining police force had already had a freedom of information request submitted. Oh, that's interesting. And they report back on different categories of paranormal activity. So they classify under wizard, demon, zombie, ghost, UFO, vampires, witches, and interestingly for us, werewolves. Okay, so, so, so we've got this one constabulary 
Okay, so these these are adjoining these are police adjoining forces that cover the area, basically. Right, right. exactly, okay. yeah. exactly. And what did they come back? What, what did what did you find out from the other one? Was that any better, or was that nothing? Okay. So over the course of a five year period, so this is reporting 06 to 10, 2006 to uh, 2010, uh, nearly seven hundred and thirty reports <laughs> in total of all of those different things, by far and away. 730? Oh, well, that's that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that sounds quite big. It does sound quite big. Um, the the lion's share is certainly demons. I don't know who's classifying these. Okay, and So, I, but that the things you're describing, somebody could describe it as a demon, I guess. Yes. I love the fact they've got these various categories into that much detail. Absolutely. And when you say demon, do you mean a werewolf demon? Or do you mean, wow, okay. Yeah, or, or is it just a common run-of-the-real demon? I don't know. So the other police force had zero. This one had over 700. W- well, the, the thing is, I'm not sure that they had zero. I think um, it might well be the way that I'd either requested it or the way that they categorise it. So it's and not some big it. cover up between one other that one police force and another. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? That you just somebody will put them down, I don't know, miscellaneous or something that didn't kind of fall under your request. Maybe. That's right, that's right, yeah. Uh, and I, I can understand how you might have uh, a category for UFO because I think that's fairly self explanatory. There's something yeah. um, strange in the sky. Yeah. Um, what is kind of interesting about this is um, how you, uh, how. Uh, when it's reported to them, the, the the person on the other end of the phone makes a distinction between, say, a zombie and a demon. I don't know how that quite comes up. Yeah, yeah. I am kind of interested in the fact that uh, in 2010 there were two zombies reported. I really, I'd really like to look into that. <laughs> I, I'm point. still, I'm still kind of intrigued about what the definition of a wizard is. Does it? Does right. it, does it, is it round glasses and a lightning scar on your forehead and then that's then a big long cloak or well exactly exactly but but also when you see a wizard or, or indeed a ghost why are you compelled to report that to the police <laughs> yeah, i don't yeah. really understand yeah. like darling i think i've just seen a wizard walk past phone the police and like surely i don't know i don't know uh, well i think the, the thing that i think is really interesting is that you've got over 700 in in what was it a five year, five, five five year, year period, period. That, yeah i mean that's if you just said to me you know one i got back said zero and the other one i checked out said 10 that's kind of what i would expect it but 700 is quite that's quite that's quite a meaty number you know i'm sure a lot of those are, are, are kind of miss people seeing kind of stuff that's you know that they've mistaken for something else or somebody who's kind of delusional or whatever, but it's, that's, that's a lot. It's more than I was expecting. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, one of the things that I would like to address in the future is um, are, are these freedom of information requests because what isn't clear in that, so is that 700 individual reports of those things from 700 different people or is it two people who keep phoning, right, right, okay. phoning through? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that that isn't clear. Right. So That's to be true. fair to all the sceptics and the sceptical side of this, yeah, okay. I think we, we have to say that. But the fact that um, there are people in a neighbouring county who have contacted the police about a werewolf at least X number of times yeah. says something to me that this, this is not a wild goose chase. Yeah. And it does merit further investigation. But this also comes back to 
our core principle here is if I said to uh, I suppose if you if you if you speak about um, the average man on the Clapham omnibus if you said oh a police force over a five year period has 700 paranormal requests yeah they would go well show me the 700 nutters yeah but that is not fair yeah there yeah. is some of those sure might be from people who uh, are you know I don't know how you say it politely, a sandwich short of a picnic, but the other reports do need to be taken seriously, yeah. and that's why I want to take these werewolf sightings somewhat seriously. I, 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 just, I just can't get this vision out of my head of two coppers sitting there going, you know, I, yeah, it was furry, it was walking on two legs, it was like, oh, what's the drop-down menu say? It's demon werewolf. I don't. Well, it's not sure it's a demon. Go, 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 go demon, not werewolf. I think. Well, just it, somebody's having this debate is just interesting. Well, I like the computer be, system's got this thing. When they were designing the computer system, shall we put Dogman in, <laughs> or shall we keep it as as werewolf? I like werewolf encapsulates everything. But does it though? Because I think a dogman is always a dogman, and a werewolf yeah. transforms. But I, th- they, I, you know. I, I think your point is a good one. These could all be one or two people who are, are reporting this stuff but st- still I think 700 over 700 is that that's a much bigger figure than I would have expected you to come back with when, when you know you said the first one was zero that's kind of what I would expect but 700 seems yeah interesting yeah well if we see a policeman let's ask him how many werewolves he's seen <laughs> so you, you put in this freedom of information uh, request there was quite a lot coming from one county and then what absolutely zero or well yeah so so basically I was denied any information right. from uh, Staffordshire but what I did get was um, newspaper reports okay. so I have discovered in the last 30 years there are at least 21 eyewitness accounts largely centered around the single uh, location and most of these date from around about 1975 so so Britain itself has a large history of cryptid sightings anyway so cryptids being uh, you know creatures that we can't explain Bigfoots right. and giant alien big cats all that sort of thing yeah um, when I start looking into uh, the werewolf reports, you start getting very detailed sightings. So, for example, um, I, just off the top of my head, there is um, uh, an eyewitness report uh, from a gentleman called Mark Sutton. So this is taken from a newspaper in 2007. This is taken from the local newspaper okay. in Birmingham. Uh, he's walking his dog, and um, he, he's near a place called Pottle Pool, which is within the Cannock Chase area. And he says, I was walking my dog near to Broadhurst Green and I believe I saw something that could be described as a wolf. It was not a panther and it was too large to be a dog. It was walking through the bushes without a care in the world. It was about 50 feet away from us and it didn't seem fussed. It disappeared back into the chase and I'm sure a lot of other people would have seen it as well. So... Sorry, when when was this reported again? That's 2007. 2007, Yeah, yeah. Um... And then from 2010, I've got uh, another resident uh, from the same area, Pottle Pool. And he says, I was driving through the trees in the direction of Stafford when I saw something dark moving through the bushes on the right-hand side of the car. I slowed down to get a better look. It was probably about 80 metres away. 
It was aware I'd slowed down, but he didn't seem to be fussed about it. It disappeared into the bushes and I lost sight of it. It was definitely not a cat. It had more of a dog's characteristics, had a long nose, sharp pointy ears. And here's the kicker. It stood on two legs. Okay, because I was, I, weirdly, as you were talking about it, I, I can't remember the name of the dog, but you know you get those those big grey ones that kind of look really wolf-like. If you kind of came across those it's in a wolf the right hand. light. Yeah, yeah. yeah, is it called a wolf hand? Right, yeah. okay. So you'd kind of, you could see something like that could easily be mistaken for something else. But, yeah, the walking on two legs is a bit harder to explain. It's the, right? it's the walking on two legs. And then, and this is one of the things that I find really hard to explain and this this next sighting is the reason why I put in the freedom of information request because I thought I would get something out of it um, going slightly back in time to 2006 on the morning of June the 28th motorists on junction 10A of the M6 motorway which is part of the motorway which goes through Cannock phoned the highways agencies and it, it, in the newspaper report I found It described it as jamming the lines of the highways agency with reports of a wolf-like creature that was seen racing between lanes of traffic at rush hour. (laughs) Motorists stared with utter disbelief at the three-foot-long beast described as a greyish-black racing between lanes, skillfully dodging cars before leaping for cover in nearby trees. Did you say three-foot? Or do you mean three metres? Three foot, it's not very big, right? Well, so the I believe what they're talking about is when it's on four legs, it's three foot. Oh, well, like, like height of it. Three foot like, high, that's right. right. Okay, but okay. the subsequent eyewitnesses report it transferring, so it's on four legs on the motorway, right? and then it moves into two legs as it departs back into the bushes. Right. So what we've got is consistent reports of creatures that are the same colour looking dog stroke wolf like and moving between working on four feet and two feet and within a what few years period of time yeah 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 so so basically the the recent reports really date from about 2000 there is there's many 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 more uh werewolf sightings all across britain dating back sort of almost to the beginning of time and a lot of those are put down to um, you know, people who uh, have unfortunate uh, medical conditions. Yeah. Uh, the, a lot of it is just down to legend. But when, once you start looking at modern day sightings that are being reported um, uh, through reputable means, what we've got here is people talking about what, to all intents and purposes, is what we understand to be a werewolf walking on the M6 motorway, and then an, adjo- an adjoining county, the police, admitting that they are getting so six or seven werewolf re- reports. I have to say the motorway one's quite interesting, because if, you, if you're on the motorway and you call the kind of highways agency, and uh, so the people who call the highways agency are saying they saw it on two legs, are they? Or is that... So, so some of the people do, yes, right, okay. yes, yeah. Because again, it's kind of. It, I get that you might kind of exaggerate things to talk to a newspaper or whatever, but to call some kind of official body and say that you know you're on the motorway and you've seen this thing, um, yeah, that seems that seems slightly more credible than than kind of anything else to me. Right, exactly, and people know what dogs look like. You don't. If you see a dog walking on the motorway. 
you phone the highways agency and say there's a dog on the motorway. You don't phone in droves to say that there's an unidentified creature that looks like a wolf running right. on the highway. Also, none of these people have got anything to gain. Those eyewitnesses that gave their uh, uh, reports to the paper have got nothing to gain. And uh, this is not easy to translate to uh, audio, but just down the road from Cannock Chase, um, I found another report, which is... This one is carried in the Telegraph, so a substantial national newspaper, and a couple there claimed to have encountered basically a wolf man walking on two legs. They describe him as being seven feet tall and have drawn a picture of him. And when was this? When was this in the paper? 2016. Okay. Do you want so to see a picture? Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, we'll, we will put this online. I'm looking at something that looks like it was one of the early artist's impressions for the... Uh, Hollywood movie Cats um, that's gone sli- <laughs> that's gone slightly wrong. It's kind of a cross between a, a cat's cat, like in the movie, with kind of they look like little vampire uh, fangs on it and uh, heavy goth eyeliner. By the look of it, to me, okay. So this is this is a picture that these people in the Telegraph article. So so normally with these articles, when they kind of hit the major press, the the tone is. Uh, is slightly tongue in cheek. Is that the same with this Telegraph article? I can only see. Uh, I can yeah. only see the cat. I can't uh, the the catty wolf thing. I can't see the uh, uh, the tone. Yeah. So um, that is true. So the, the the couple are pictured with with their article, right? Uh, or, or I should say, with their their picture. Um, I wouldn't say. That the um, the journalist is sort of is denigrating them in any way, but it isn't covered in any great gravitas. It's a shaggy dog story, or a shaggy wolf. Story. It's, it's, a, it's a shaggy it's a shaggy dog story, and the the reason why I think this article is important is because the two people that saw it are pictured in there. So they're in a national newspaper, and they have been encouraged to show. A picture, so like it is an amusing picture, but I think that's largely down to their skill in art. If you <laughs> yeah. ask me to draw a picture of my dog, yeah. and I see my dog every single day for hours at a time, I think I would struggle to do a lot better because I'm just not a good artist. These people, I think, um, they wouldn't. They have got nothing to gain by being in here. They saw something, and so the question for me is: with all of these reports uh, all around that particular area with people coming forward from surrounding areas with police forces admitting that they're having reports in FOIA requests yeah it seems to me that the uh, it one shouldn't just dismiss it and go they must be mad but I can't see anybody else who is taking it seriously and trying to work out what's going on <laughs> so that means that the whole of what everyone is seeing, if it's going to be investigated professionally by anybody, that's going to be journalists, right? Yeah, yeah. So I thought what we would do is speak to the journalist who wrote 
uh, a story about these werewolf sightings in Cannock Chase in 2007. Great. And see what he had to say about it, see what he really thinks about it, see if he spoke to any eyewitnesses, and uh, let's just see from his point of view, does any of this have any validity, or is it drunken people right. walking back from the pub and seeing next door's lurcher looking a bit leery? And who are huge Andrew Lloyd Webber fans. Massive Andrew Lloyd Webber fans. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds great. That's good you tracked him down. He's, he's, he's willing to speak to us. He's fantastic. He, he is willing to speak to us. And um, we're about to bring him in onto the phone. Great. So, Ben, before we um, get Johnny on the phone, um, could you just give us a little bit of background about his article and what it was about? Yeah, so it's the one that comes up if you search for werewolf, werewolves in Cannock. Uh, you'll get it on the Google listing, sort of five or six down. He was a senior staff writer at the Birmingham Mercury, the local paper that covers the Cannock Chase area. And he wrote an article where he was investigating the werewolf sightings that uh, various people who live around that area were coming up with. And in the article, he goes to spend the evening at the German cemetery, which is the sort of focal point of the werewolf sightings right. and wrote it up almost like a diary. There was a video to go with this as well. That has subsequently been de-published by the newspaper, but the article still lives on. And within the article, he seems to suggest that he saw something. And that's why I thought we ought to speak to him. And they, he kind of talks about, didn't he, didn't he chip up with a kind of bag full of meat or something? He Correct, yes. Right. He, he, t- he takes a bag full of meat to try and find this werewolf in the German cemetery, yeah. Well, I think it'd be interesting to talk to him about that and about how the media treats these kind of stories. Don't exactly, you? yeah. That's exactly right, yeah. Great, let's get him on the, get him on the line. So joining us on the phone is Johnny Greatrex, who is a, a senior lecturer in journalism at Nottingham Trent University. Hi, Johnny. Hi. Hi. So um, first of all, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your uh, background and experience in journalism? Yes, sure. Uh, so I started out as a news reporter working on the Sunday Mercury newspaper, um, in around 2007. So its news values uh, are more closely linked to sort of a national uh, Sunday tabloid rather than like a, a daily evening news title. So it was a bit more irreverent, a bit quirkier uh, and a bit more tabloid than kind of your standard daily newspaper from a provincial city. Um, I was a reporter for a while, about five years, covering all kinds of stories, uh, including some of the ones that I think you want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, when you're working on a newspaper like that, where do the stories come from? Where where do the sources come from? Is it does it rely on reporters like you being sort of uh, within the local community and sniffing things out or how does it happen? Uh, well, it's, as you maybe might imagine, it's a, a complete range of sources. One of the questions you get asked uh, as a journalist is, where do your stories come from? And when you're a working journalist, you know, they come from absolutely anywhere. They can come from a conversation around the dinner table on a on a Sunday afternoon where someone says, oh, have you heard about this? Um, obviously, they come from people ringing in or emailing in, or particularly nowadays getting in touch on social media. Uh, sometimes you'll pick up things from the nationals, which you think you can develop in your area. Uh, yet sometimes you just develop really good contacts within organisations or areas or niches um, who will come to you uh, with their stories. 
And what's the relationship between um, the reporter and the editor in that instance? I imagine you would you'd go and pitch a story to the editor before actually. Um, right? So yeah, the news editor would come around Tuesday lunchtime, and you'd give him your news list. Uh, and he would say, oh, here's what I'm working on. You know, have a bit of a chat, a bit of guidance. Yeah, do that. Don't do that. What I've done it before. Um, at that point, the news editor might say, oh, I'll tell you what, I've got an idea. And so it's a bit of a two-way process. But you would expect to be pitching your own strong stories. And then the news editor might come along and, and, and give you one or two as well, if, if it needs to be. Okay. So um, the you're quite, you're quite right. Earlier on, you said there was a particular reason for us um, talking to you. And uh, that's because... Uh, when we were uh, putting together this episode on werewolves, there's um, one article which is very highly SEO'd and keeps popping up, which is something that you authored for the uh, for the Sunday Mercury back in sixth uh, uh, of October two thousand and nine. Uh, it's mm-hmm. dated, which I can't believe that's eleven years ago, but um, <laughs> it yeah, makes me feel incredibly old. Um, but this is about the Cannock Chase Werewolf and um, there's obviously quite a lot of stories all around about the Cannock Chase Werewolf but um, what was the um, what was the reason for writing uh, at that particular time Um, this one sort of will go into what you did later but it turns into you go doing an investigation but does this come out of eyewitness sightings or just a general level of awareness and and a fun story to do I think from memory, and I could be wrong, I think the Sun had done a story saying Canick or Canick Chase, the, that area at that time, was the place in the country with the most werewolf sightings. So whether the Sun had done an FOI to all the country's police forces and, and said, you know, oh, how many werewolf sightings have you had, whether it had come out in some sort of report that, you know, an organisation that looks into paranormal activity had put together, I can't quite remember but the boss, I should that say at that point, um, was also from Canuck. In fact, he still is. He still is the boss, and he still is from Canuck. Um, but so he had a little bit of an extra uh, bit of interest in it, I suppose, and it, it piqued his interest. So he said, "Oh, Johnny, can you have a look at these werewolf sightings in Canuck Forest?" And did he give you a kind of tone of what he wanted from the article, or did did you kind of take that on yourself and kind of built a tone around it? Uh, well, um, I've been working there for about two years at that point. So I'm aware when the boss said, can you look into these werewolf sightings? He didn't generally expect me to go and try to track down a werewolf and that it was going to be one of our sort of like lighter, uh, more lighthearted pieces. Um, just to, you know, to try and get something out of it for the paper because it's a Sunday paper, Sunday tabloid. You have a lot of hard hitting crime stories from quite gritty grim sometimes human interest stories uh so it's about having something um to balance that out in the paper i think right and you obviously at some point decided i'm just going to go there and kind of check it out and i think spend the night there did when, when did that <laughs> yeah, come to you yeah, well, was that the first thing that came into your head or um i think i think he said my boss said you know do you fancy popping down and having a look and i do remember saying what well, go and look for werewolves is, uh, what, what do you expect I'm going to find, Tony? Well, you know, you go up there, you may have a look around, see what, see what you can get, um, which is what you sometimes, you know, obviously you do often on stories. If you know there's a story in a certain area, you knock a few doors, ask a few questions, you, you know about this, you know about that. Um, but at that point, um, we were being asked to produce more video for our website. 
Um, and I was quite a new starter and I was one of the few staff that was video trained. So we were looking for opportunities to create sort of video content. In hindsight, we created content which probably not that many people wanted to watch or indeed did watch. Uh, but it just sort of felt like it lent itself to um, a, bit of, a bit of a funny, quirky video, not taking itself too seriously. Not doubting your journalistic integrity, but how much of that is uh, is sort of telling um, uh, a humorous tale and how much of it is real? Because I notice in there, like, you you talk about like having the um, the bag of meat attacked. Is is there a little bit of artistic license <laughs> in there? Yes, there are uh, huge huge helpings of artistic license okay. uh, in there. Yes. <laughs> so um, when because I completely understand that and that makes complete sense. Do did you ever come across people who not necessarily having a werewolf sighting, but people who? you felt like might be genuine eyewitnesses to something peculiar and um and and then come up with a quandary about how you approach that because there's sort of like all of these factors come with that kind of and like and it's I, i would imagine it's driven by the audience like there's a bit of a giggle factor like i think it would be very difficult for the birmingham mercury to write in all seriousness about what the possibilities of a, a werewolf really living in Cannock Chase are. I can understand that because <laughs> like people's own professional integrity might be uh, compromised for sure. I get that. But if, if somebody turns up and says, no, look, I really did see something. Um, can you help or can you look into it or can you interview me? Uh, does that, how does that fit in with that, that um, tone of voice and that way of approaching things? Yeah, well, it is quite a challenge because, uh, as I think you sort of indicated there, as well, you, you have to be aware that these people are going to be potentially in your newspaper and on your website, and you know, their neighbours' friends might see this and uh, <laughs> think about them uh, differently. Obviously, when you're a journalist and when you're doing stories, your uh, one of your masters is the truth and accuracy and verification. Um, but these sort of stories are just ones that you you simply can't verify. Obviously, there's no necessarily comeback. We we doubt we're going to get a werewolf ringing in and saying, no, just let you know, I wasn't there on Friday. I thought this was somewhere else. You got it wrong. Um, or a UFO, you know, put put in a claim into PCC as it was then, or Ipso about accuracy. So um, you try to be fair to the people, and of course, you get phone calls and you do interviews all the time where you. Uh, question what people are saying. Generally, you're able to go and do enough verification work that you can either stand the story up, um, or you say to them, "No, I'm afraid what you've given us doesn't doesn't work out, and we can't do the story." Um, with these ones, you just have to take it on face value and try and be as fair to them as you can. We didn't have anyone, uh, from my memory, bring in with werewolf sightings, but I do remember doing a couple of UFO sightings. Um, I suppose with UFOs, generally people have seen something. They have seen a bright light. It is unexplained. It was there, but it was unexplained. In terms of werewolves, um, I'm sorry to let you down, but we didn't have anyone but march into our office and demand to tell us that they'd, they'd shook, shook hands with a werewolf on Friday night in Canet Chase. <laughs> yeah. So do you, can, you, can you remember back to that night? What's going through your mind as you're kind of sitting there? I don't know how long you spend there, but you, I've just got this vision of you kind of sitting in your car going, 
how long do I have to sit here for? Was it a bit like that? Uh, yeah, well, I did. I had, I had a friend from university who lives uh, locally in Stafford. And I, and I said to her, oh, yeah, mate, look, I've got to go up to Cannock Chase on Friday night and film something about werewolves. Uh, and she was quite a good egg. I said, do you want to come along and just give me a hand? Because yeah, I didn't actually want to be missioning around Cannock Chase on Friday night by myself after dark. Um, one thing you may not be aware of is that it's also uh, known locally uh, as a dogging hotspot. So <laughs> right. um, you may not find a werewolf, but you may, of course, find other things equally as scary or more scary. Or hairy. <laughs> scary and hairy, yeah, yeah. precisely. Um, so what was I thinking? Well, I was having a bit of fun. It was a bit of a fun project to try to... Make a video about looking for werewolves when uh, you're obviously, in my view, as a skeptic, people say they don't actually exist. Um, you're never going to find them. I think uh, also uh, uh, maybe a bit of a tangent or a subtext, um, which you uh, you may not need to know about, but I'll tell you anyway. When I joined the Sunday Mercury, uh, they created like a really embarrassing alter ego for me called Johnny Dangerous. And it was a bit like, uh, I don't know, what was the Brian Connolly character who always used to get himself into scrapes and things. Essentially, they just wanted to sort of humiliate me um, in some ways and get me going off and doing daft things. Oh, some things were a bit scary, like jumping up. I did a skydive. I swam with sharks. It was all about creating video content. So they created this silly character called Johnny Dangerous, which in hindsight is highly embarrassing. Um, but I think this video is where... Uh, the sort of fictional Johnny Dangerous character in the real world collided because I was killed off. Um, you know, the, there were no more Johnny Dangerous escapades, uh, like whitewater rafting and various things, driving motor cars, um, after Johnny Dangerous was apparently savaged uh, by a werewolf while trying to find it on Cannot Chase. There's a conspiracy theory in there somewhere, right? Definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it was a, and it was a full moon. I don't know what... Uh, what what can you make of it? I, I'm also, this is quite a random question, but I'm quite obsessed with what type of steak you took. Did you did you go for the kind of braising or did you go for a full ribeye? What was your budget? Oh, well, yes, you know, it was a full ribeye, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, I, if you're going to do things properly and um, you don't want to go on, on the gun, as it were, so yes, it was uh, it was a fine piece of meat. <laughs> so, was there, so, so was there any point in that night that you kind of thought, actually, this is a bit weird bit of a weird feeling scary because i mean i guess you're in a kind of environment you're not used to i don't know how often you go dogging but at least you're <laughs> you're in an environment where you're kind of it's unusual it's dark it's a graveyard i understand did you get some kind of spooky vibes freak yourself out at all or were you, away, or were you and your friend always quite relaxed by the whole thing um well you know i'm fairly hardy i'm not too uh scared of the dark so um yeah, it, it was very quiet. It was a bit eerie, but we didn't ever feel like we were being preyed upon by you know, bright green eyes or yellow eyes in the bushes. No, it was, uh, we, we were calm and seeing it for what it was, really, which was a bit of fun. Okay. So sort of um, on the more serious side of it, mm -hmm. just going back to what you were saying there about you, 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 you didn't come across any uh, anybody walking into the office saying they'd shaken hands with a werewolf or something. It, do you think that's why... Um, these sorts of stories uh, do attract the sort of the level of um, sort of scepticism turning into uh, humour that they do because the, the burden of proof exists that you have to show that something happened 
and that invariably never never happens yes <laughs> you know uh either, either harry potter's real or it isn't it's a film and a story <laughs> and and I, as much as i would love to leave that there are werewolves out there and all kinds of things and that would be a great world and you know i still try to be a jedi sometimes and get the remote control to move to me just by using my mind it's <laughs> never happened um so yes of course the worldwide lack of irrefutable evidence um i think is 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 what limits uh, these stories and you, uh, I think you said that the original idea of this, that the national newspapers, the Sun or whatever, had had covered something about the area, and you know, effectively yeah. being a hotbed of this activity. What uh, we've come across, you know, we've had the freedom of information request. We've come across the various stories. Why do you think that area is generating these kind of stories? <laughs> uh, that is. In itself, a very good question, and um, one that I genuinely don't think I have any answer to. Not, not that I'm trying to be, you know, um, obfuscatory. It's just who knows. It's, uh, I mean, it could, it, it could be one person. You know, you never know. Do you? It, it could be one person who thinks he might be caught a laugh every three or four months to ring the cops and say, "I've seen a werewolf." Knowing they're going to write it down. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, you're never going to know that. Um, so I suppose, and just clutching at straws a tiny bit, sometimes you get that kind of cluster effect where because it's happened once or twice and there's been stories about it, for whatever reason compels people to call the police and claim they've seen a werewolf, it makes it a tiny bit more likely or just something that happens there because someone's done it before or would it be a laugh? Yeah. And you could have some quite ill people, some quite poorly people who are making these reports. Uh, who knows? I, I can't really put my finger on it. Okay. okay. And um, in the few instances where something happens which does appear to be um, sort of not irrefutable proof, but pretty firm proof, we were talking before uh, this call about, and I think a lot of our listeners will know about the um, the Tic Tac UFO reported in mm-hmm. the New York Times, uh, or something a bit like the... Um, the Arizona lights, which has generated thousands mm-hmm. of programs on history channel where you get that, you tend to get, uh, an intersection between, um, serious journalism, trying to look for something that it <laughs> could be. And yeah. then the other side of things where again, people say, Oh yeah, that's the Venusians. I've been speaking to them on the phone and um it's very hard there's almost it's sort of like the fog of war there is uh, there is so much um disinformation whether deliberate or not mixed in that it seems like even if there was something which one could hang one's hat on that reporting on it might have its own challenges uh yes totally i'm um... And you're always, as a journalist, uh, just trying to make sense of someone else's information, really. Uh, I suppose in those cases, you do actually have something, um, like you say, which is, which is what elevates them beyond just the kind of completely spurious or sort of uh, uh, flyers that you might say, where you, you can't be disproved and no one's going to come at us and, and, and say it's not true because they can't disprove it either. Whereas with those, you have something. And like you say, the New York Times does want to report on something which the US Air Force says they definitely filmed, definitely saw. Um, but naturally, you are going to then uh, get 
all manner of conspiracy theories build up around genuinely the journalists trying to get to the bottom of what has happened and has China got some new super weapon that we don't know about. And odd, I mean, go, going off something that looser rather than werewolves, if, if we talk again about the kind of UFO type stuff, what for you from a journalistic point of view, what what would you need to make you go, oh my God, this is really serious? Would it be some kind of government statement or what? what is the level that suddenly takes you into a different direction with those kind of stories? Yeah, well, it, it's official verification. You know, if you go, if, if someone calls in uh, and, and says, "Hi, I saw something in the in the light, in the sky over over Norfolk on holiday last night. We're driving back, and it was just like these lights whizzing around." Da, 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 da. All right, well, where were you? What road were you on? What time is it? Which direction were you looking in? All right, yeah, no problem. Thanks very much. We'll give it. We'll give the MOD a call, or we'll give the police a call. Yeah. So you do your normal check calls. You call the police. Uh, and you, if, if needs be, you might they might call the MOD press officers. And say, I, you know, just had someone talking about lights in the sky. If then those official sources come back and say, yeah, we can confirm we had 19 calls last night about lights in the sky, um, then you say, oh, all right, well, that, that stands the story up. We still don't know what it is people saw, but if the police are saying they had a lot of calls, we know it's not just one person bringing in and saying things which are not true for whatever reason that may be. If the MOD comes back and says, we scrambled two fighter, two tornadoes from RAF Duda because we thought it might be a Russian bomber um, or whatever, then you're into different territory. But if the police come back and say, no, sorry, we had nothing, and the MOD come back and said, no, nothing at all, and um, then that's the kind of uh, two sort of, I suppose, polar opposites of where the reporting process could take you. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we were talking the other day about that kind of topic of where where it kind of gets to um, the next level. Or, you know, we were wondering whether, you know, just like the, the, there's the obits of when the, the Queen's going to die or whatever, all mm. ready to go, you know, is there a kind of, you know, the American government uh, announced that, you know, intelligent aliens have visited Earth. Is there, <laughs> is there the equivalent of the Queen uh, obituary version of that out there or a protocol? I, I, or I'd love it if there was. And that would be a very forward-thinking newsroom. Um, I mean, w- one thing you can be certain of is that every human being will, well, actually, maybe you can't, I suppose, anymore, but we think pretty certainly every human being will die. Um, I suppose you can't quite be certain that aliens are going to are here or are going to land or werewolves are going to come out um, from behind whatever it is they're hiding. And if, and if you were running a news a news kind of room at that point when that kind of statement came out, what what, what would you do? Go into panic mode? Would because it seems so kind of crazy, but it is possible. So what would you do? You know, what do you mean if if a statement was released saying, "Oh hi everyone, just to let you know, um, aliens arrived." Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it would be um, it would be the biggest story in history, wouldn't it? Ever. Yeah. So uh, every, every well, the world would stop, wouldn't it? <laughs> Quite frankly, the, yeah. the, the world would stop. The world would be pretty much united uh, in a moment, which would be forever sort of changing our history. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's almost impossible to comprehend what that moment would be like for for many obvious reasons i mean we when we're we're teaching and we talk about news values and we get students to evaluate a set of you know fake stories we 
obviously used the, the Queen, the Queen's death, or when it ever comes, or the Queen's died. Um, and one of the questions we get to think about is how many parts of the world would not cover that story? You know, if you think about the, the Queen of England dying when she does die, long as reigning monarch uh, for the U, for, for England or UK or whatever, um, it's pretty much most countries you think about in the world, like North Korea, maybe not. Um, but they're going to have at least something, maybe, on it. Um, and I suppose aliens landing might even be the one that will break through the North Korean <laughs> the North Korean media blackout, or maybe not. You know, I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, I think it would be. That's what it would be. And and uh, despite you saying you don't believe in Wales, have have you ever seen anything odd that you can't explain? Um, I don't think I have. I mean, you're talking to to quite a kind of uh, a very sceptical, mm. science, evidence-based kind of person here. Um, oh, the only thing I once did, not what I saw, and I even don't even know if it's happened or not anymore because it was so long ago. As a child in my bedroom, I had a dice or a die. I just know the difference because I'm a journalist and tutor, but I forgot. Uh, I had one cube with numbers on with six sides, and I success. I rolled the die, uh, dice, and each time, I predicted what it was going to be, and I got it right six times in a row. That's it, lads. <laughs> <laughs> that is as supernatural as my human experience. We'll, we'll uh, do an yeah. episode we're gonna, on statistics. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm cracking open my Monopoly set right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry I can't give you anything more uh, paranormal or supernatural than that. I am um, an arch cynic. That is absolutely fine. We are a broad church. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure you've helped Ben's case in trying to convince me of werewolves in the Midlands, but it's been great. Well, uh, wait till I get you up by the German cemetery, and then you'll change your mind. <laughs> That's not the dogging again. No, it? no. Um, Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I really, really appreciate that. And thanks for giving us the backstory in that article. Um, that was really kind of you. You're welcome. My pleasure. That was really interesting. Maybe not the conclusive proof of werewolves in the Midlands that you were hoping for. Ben. No. Did you get something out of that? Yeah, no, definitely. So um, to be honest, I hadn't expected him to uh, come out and say that he had seen a werewolf. I think that was very unlikely. But what I thought was interesting from that is I I had suspected that this is all about the burden of proof and seeing something peculiar in the woods uh, or seeing a, a light in the sky seeing anything in the the world of the paranormal one rarely gets to have the evidence that would be the thing that you could you could hang your hat on and and uh, i completely understand um johnny is a very senior experienced journalist he works for university as well um I wonder whether his career would have gone that way if he had decided to um, go along the route of investigating wells in Cannock Chase. If, if if you are a professional journalist, I think that it probably damages your reputation. But it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because um, uh, the police are never going to come out and say, we found a werewolf. I have no proof, but... Uh, it seems unlikely that uh, even if there was a cadaver recovered, that any government 
body would allow that to be revealed. So, so from what I said before about the only people doing research in in this are um, journalists, maybe I have to revise that and go, well, yeah, these journalists, but maybe the burden of proof in this whole thing is on academics, on members of the public. Well, I think I think you're right. I think. I think in a way that theory of the only people who are really investigating this properly are journalists what what I took away from it was actually that's not the case that in a way the journalists and newspapers like these kind of stories because of the lack of proof needed like he said you kind of you know how how are you going to be able to prove that somebody has seen a werewolf which just gives these kind of stories and newspapers the license to kind of go off in all kinds of directions without without you know fear or repercussion or like you said nobody's going to complain to the uh, to the the national body of journalism the saying that I was misrepresented in my werewolf stories it, it made me think back to when you were talking earlier about people who'd called the highways agency yeah and, and thinking those kind of reports to me seem more interesting because as he said from a journalistic point of view with these stories, there's a lot of artistic licence that can, that can be taken and it's really difficult for anyone to contradict that. Whereas, you know, those people who called the highways agency and saying they've seen a werewolf on all standing on two legs, you know, in a way I'm more impressed with that than the kind of journalism stories, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, that's true. I, I don't know where to go with this with when uh with people who have seen things i mean johnny touched on um, there's a certain sensitivity about um putting someone's picture in the newspaper because they're going to get seen by their friends and family and uh, i think he sort of tacitly acknowledged that um we, one is um exposing oneself when one, one does that and um journalists are aware of that we've we had a look at the um the article from the telegraph before where where that's uh, you know the couple are in the, the the image and exposing themselves i cannot fathom why if you didn't believe in what you were saying you would do that so that so the missing bit of proof here is i don't think there are many people who are lying that doesn't make any sense particularly no. to pu- to be published in a newspaper for somebody uh, for, for you to be held up to ridicule and be accused of being a liar so if we can discount that there is a low level of lying in this the only other things that we can put this to are people mistaking things that they've seen that look supernatural but they're not which i think is probably I think if you're going to analyse it off the top of my head, that's probably the majority of these reports, right? And that people have seen something in a certain way that wasn't quite what they've seen, but they do believe that they've seen something strange. Yes, yes, I think that's probably true. Um, but it doesn't... Uh, what, what we're left with is probably the the eternal problem with these phenomena and and all paranormal phenomena is for those people who aren't lying and aren't mistaken there is no proof to back up their claim uh, that we know of if there is perhaps it's been held back by the government but that seems a little bit tin tin hatty perhaps but perhaps perhaps the the phenomena itself doesn't leave traces 
we're, we're assuming here that werewolves are terrestrial uh, beings that are just carbon-based life forms like the rest of us. Maybe that isn't the case. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, your mission to convince me. I, I, I feel it took a little bit of a knockback with Johnny, but, uh, you know... Maybe, maybe there's only one way that we can settle this, Ben, as we said to Johnny on the phone. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to have to go, aren't we? We're definitely going to have to go. And I think I'm going to have to see it walking on two legs, looking like James Corden in Cats for me to to jump on board fully, I think. But, so I can't dress my dog up? Well, I've seen it's your cheating, dog. It's too it? cute. I don't think it's going to, uh, I don't think it's going to convince me at all, but... Let, let's go down there. I think to put yourselves in that environment and just kind of a spooky graveyard in itself will have all your senses a tingling. So I'm not sure even if I hear a twig snapping in the forest, that's going to convince me of of werewolf activity. So we're going to have to have a pretty meaty encounter. And I'm slightly annoyed that Johnny said we've got to buy ribeye steak because that's just going to blow the budget even more. But. Well, no, look, because if we don't find one, we get to eat the steak. That's a good point. And if we find one, we find one. Plus, the other thing we should do is bring a Tupperware box, look for scat. No one else is looking for werewolf scat. We'll probably be the only people in Canuck Chase looking for werewolf scat. So, so <laughs> basically you're saying, I've got to go to the Midlands, walk around a graveyard looking for werewolf poo that's correct unless they pick up after themselves you think there's little werewolf size kind of bags and sure okay why, yeah. why not right. maybe that's how they cover themselves up all right well let's but, let's fire up the quattro and uh head to the midlands okay let's do it so uh well we will uh i think we'll end our uh, investigation into werewolves for this time but uh we'll be back with our experiences in spooky canic chase let the chase begin Quantum mechanics.